Hey everyone, welcome to the Rice People podcast. On this show, we talk to the innovators, creators, and thinkers doing some of the most interesting things in Asia. I'm Adil, and this is Wong Lei. We dive into their journeys, learn how they think, and cover why they're doing what they're doing. We hope to provide you the inspiration and insights you need to forge your own journey. You can access all our podcasts, including edited transcripts, show notes, and other resources to keep learning at ricepeoplepodcast.com. Our guest this week is Natalia Rodionova, the founder of the first female coding club in Cambodia, Sisters of Code. Natalia moved from Latvia to Cambodia six years ago, and did you know only 7% of female students in Cambodia choose a STEM major in college? In this conversation, we learn more about why she started a coding club for women in the most unlikely place, the unique challenges she faces running a non-profit, why she isn't giving up, the state of startups and innovation in Cambodia, and so much more. You can also find all things Sisters of Code at www.sistersofcode.org. And now, on to our conversation with Natalia. How long have you been living in, uh, uh, in Cambodia? Oh, it will be uh, almost six years uh, very soon. Yeah. Wow. Yes. How has it been living in Cambodia? Very diverse and different, like and vibrant <laughs> as the Asia is. I was uh, first, uh, you know, um, I'm actually coming from a very small country, uh, Latvia. In, it's in mm. Eastern uh, Europe. Um, and um, uh, I moved to Cambodia in 2015. So everything was different, climate, people, culture, music, smell, food, uh, everything was so different. I used to travel before, but you know, my friends uh, like are saying, like, don't uh, mix up emigration with tourism. Because when we are tourists uh, coming to a country, it's a different thing, right? Yeah. So yeah. you kind of uh, have fun, maybe like, you know, it's temporary. But if you come uh, uh, to live and to work, it's absolutely different uh, setup of, uh, of, of experiencing things and you have to adapt, uh, you have to understand, you have to learn to uh, integrate and, uh, and, and it's, a, it's a different uh, way. Yeah? So you are not an observer, you are becoming part of that. And it was a bit, uh, in some ways was challenging, in many ways very exciting. And mm-hmm. uh, so far, I'm good. <laughs> so, so what got you to move to Cambodia in 2015? I'm quite curious. Well, it's work. Uh, so, um, actually, I would say, uh, you know, I, I always wanted to go to work somewhere abroad. And Asia has been a very attractive uh, destination for me. Um, I love how vibrant and fast-paced and... Uh, diverse it is. I like that uh, people are welcoming to new ideas and I see so many things are are moving fast and much faster than in Europe. And I felt that in Europe uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, slow and also more resistant to change. Mm-hmm. And uh, since change is a part of my like uh, value <laughs> system, I like challenges, I like uh, things, uh, trying new things, I like changes. So Asia mm-hmm. seemed to be like very attractive. 
And then apparently we have a, a partner uh, um, who was, uh, it's IT training center. So he was looking at opening branches uh, in Asia too. And so there was kind of like, you know, a magic moment uh, when everything uh, came together. So uh, there was a job opportunity to work in Cambodia to open an IT training center. So uh, me and my husband, we went uh, for exploring Cambodia several times before making the final decision. Oh. Uh, but then we decided, yes, uh, it's a great opportunity. The market is there. There is a need for digital skills development. Uh, there is a need for quality education. And um, uh, the uh, uh, country is very young. Like, you know, 70% of population in Cambodia is below 35 years old. Wow. And uh, wow. so... It's very young. <laughs> we, we yeah. Thought, yeah, it's very young. So we decided that's great. And, uh, and so, yeah, so we moved. And it was a kind of uh, yeah, decision for... Like, we had to make a decision for whole family uh, to move all together. So we did and, I, and we, we came to Cambodia and now we have been living here since 2015. Uh, yeah, my daughter though moved back to Europe to study, uh, to, um, to finish high school there and now she's in the university. Oh, yeah. nice. And, and, and I guess since you've been here for six years, uh, now you have uh, Sisters of Code. Previously you came in 2015 to start the IT uh, academy center. sort of, yes. yeah, a training center. Uh, maybe you could sort of reflect back to what was the, you know, computer science engineering mm. landscape like back when you arrived and mm -hmm. maybe how has it evolved right? since the six years you've been there? You've made your own contribution to uh, improving it as well, mm. right? Yeah. Yes. You know, I would say that when we arrived to, to Cambodia, um, we should admit that... Um, that the level of education and understanding of uh, IT uh, industry and what kind of digital skills are needed was behind uh, general trends uh, in the world uh, and more advanced countries. And uh, that the application of IT solutions was quite limited. And um, we had to invest a lot of effort and time in educating the market about uh, what kind of jobs are there, what, what can you expect and, and how can you, how young people can find maybe their way there, like build their careers there. Uh, there was like what really made a difference was that uh, at the same time there was a community that was very supportive. Uh, like I met amazing people like also Cambodian people uh, organizing events to promote uh, digital um, economy like bar camps. Uh, we had a great mm. event. And then uh, some, uh, I met some uh, people who were building their first startups. Wow. Uh, they are quite oh, successful exciting. now. Yes. So uh, there was a still like, uh, it was kind of like, you know, two sides. On one side, uh, not enough of understanding, awareness. And the other side, I could meet amazing and passionate and very talented people that kind of gave a hope. And uh, working with uh, young people was also very inspiring because I could witness myself that they want to have an opportunity to learn and to to integrate, um, and, uh, and 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 uh, that's why like um, 
in the beginning it was kind of both uh, motivating but uh, quite difficult right and then one of the reasons uh, that in 2019 uh, I've started uh, a non-profit uh, program educational program sisters of code for for girls specifically because uh, it was actually like uh, you know such a dramatic misrepresentation of uh, girls in in this tech sector and uh, the ministry of education using sport in cambodia data was saying that only seven percent of uh, girls would choose tech subject but uh, you know women make 50 percent of population so yes. does it mean like 50 uh, percent of population is just excluded and actually with the with the economy moving digital like uh, it's quite a a risk both for the economy as well as for the employment of uh, women to be left behind if they don't have enough of skills to 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 be part of what is happening right now in Cambodia because uh, the digital economy in Cambodia actually was leapfrogging like you know when I arrived 2015 the only way to move around in the city was to stop a tuk-tuk and then bargain wow. with them on uh, on how much you pay you know and they will see oh you're a foreigner barang you pay like uh, five dollar but then you calculate and you say come on it's more expensive than in San Francisco but going by car <laughs> <laughs> and they and and then it was kind of a stress you had to 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 discuss every time and now like maybe already like uh, three years ago we had uber and grab now uber left we have grab but then like it's uh, such a convenience uh, you have a mobile application it can take you from one point to another point and you always have a transparent uh, fee and, and and everything is uh, is so well organized uh, thanks to technology and it's like just you know one obvious thing and with covid definitely I've seen uh, a, a huge uh, change in, in the uh, lifestyle of people uh, thanks to technology. Mm -hmm. And I would even say that even better than uh, uh, it is happening in Europe, in some cases like faster yeah. delivery because of competition and motorbikes, uh, great service, uh, great interfaces, a lot of possibilities. So uh, definitely technological solutions are leapfrogging in Cambodia. and. That means that we need more people, more talents to support that development because there are lots of still issues and problems to be solved and, and, and where technology can become a solution. And that's why like my role and, and uh, my place in education, digital skills development is really rewarding. Mm -hmm. and, and like one of the missions is to get women more uh, involved and, and feel more confident and uh, show them opportunities. That's kind of uh, like uh, what uh, makes me wake up uh, every morning <laughs> and feeling, yes, I, I want to do that. Yeah, yes. Yeah. And, and I think that's and very I guess, amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm, and I guess is, is there some, maybe correct me if I, I misspeak, but uh, is there like some, uh, I guess, cultural barriers that you have to go through right in terms of women uh, taking yes. up tactical jobs and yeah. working and being the breadwinner for the family yeah yeah you nailed it that is one of the biggest challenges uh, that we see here in cambodia uh, the cultural barriers and maybe social biases that exist mm -hmm. and um, you know i like 
I came to Cambodia six years ago, and my family, like uh, my both parents, uh, both mom and dad, are engineers. So mm-hmm. I never had, you know, uh, a question: uh, Can a woman uh, study uh, engineering science, or are women worse uh, in math? You know, I never had this uh, conception. Even like could not imagine such can exist. And uh, then uh, in Cambodia, we, uh, when we started to work in the field of education, we saw so little uh, number of girls would join um, like tech-related subjects and engineering-related subjects. And uh, with researches and surveys that we've done in Cambodia, we realized that there is definitely um, this uh, misunderstanding um, of. Uh, of uh, what a girl can do and cannot do. <laughs> and it was interesting that uh, so many people think that boys are naturally better with computers, uh, boys are naturally better with science subjects, and that uh, girls uh, uh, should be more focused on uh, like uh, taking care. Or, uh, it's okay, yes, but it's not uh, uh, the only way for women to develop their life. Uh, just by taking care of others it's not i'm not saying it's it's wrong but i do, i'm saying that it's not the only way and um, and then we had personally like working in the field of education some cases like for example like uh, a sister and a brother would come to study and then mm-hmm. parents would decide that the brother should continue studies and for girl it is enough mm-hmm. because she has already learned some basic skills and that's enough for her and she doesn't need to 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 continue her education uh, just because she is a girl. She will not. Uh, she would not need that in her life. And so it felt like uh, why why is that? Especially I am a mother myself, and I have a daughter, and and it's kind of like uh, was uh, quite uh, frustrating because I thought that. Uh, kind of these biases, they are limiting opportunities even in, in, in the very beginning, like when children decide or dream what they want to do in their lives. Uh, and culturally, I think um, definitely in Cambodia, still traditional society, um, it, like this is how it works. And I see that when I talk to those women who work as IT professionals, I see they had to overcome a lot of obstacles. And their stories like make me feel so sad sometimes, like, you know, uh, bullying by and, and feeling humiliated uh, when you have a class of 30 students and only two, three are female students, so they are minority and they feel uh, shy, they are afraid of asking questions because they are afraid that people will judge them, that boys would laugh at them, that they're not that smart. And that is kind of uh, um, something that uh, makes me like personally dedicated uh, to, to change. I, I want to open a door <laughs> for, for those girls and, and tell them you can try and help them to understand that that there are definitely opportunities and and this is not that only for boys like there are so many also opportunities for female um, impact 
and it's needed for, uh, by economy and, 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 and for developing inclusive solutions. And sometimes, I'm sorry, but uh, sometimes women may have even better uh, views and ideas because of, uh, of, of actually, like, you know, they are taking care of children and maybe there are, there are ways how they can generate ideas to have better solutions for taking care of for, ch about, uh, for children. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That, that's kind of uh, thing that I'm trying. I don't want to judge uh, the, the traditional way. And I do have a lot of respect for, for culture and tradition. But I think for the future and going forward, it is important to review what helps us to build a better future and what maybe prevents. Yes. Absolutely, I, absolutely. Yeah, some of this, I, some of these mindsets and um, biases are so entrenched in the society. How do you mm. overcome them? I think this is a big question, mm -hmm. right? And mm. as a foreigner, do you feel like that is a bigger challenge for you to try mm. to change these mindsets, or actually, it's a, it's an asset. It's very interesting question. So I don't know, like it feels to me that sometimes when I am a foreigner and I suggest some ideas that are different to what is uh, like uh, is happening, uh, maybe people like say, okay, like she's a foreigner, she doesn't know like that. But yeah. I see, I kind of, I think I have a, a good team a lot, uh, with, and, and in our team and in Sisters of Code team, I'm the only foreigner, all others uh, are, are, are completely Cambodian women, so it's okay, uh, and I think we have a good uh, connection and we have a bo good bond uh, together. Mm, uh, um, maybe, so I don't know, I, it feels to me that I have more freedom to express ideas because I am a foreigner, but uh, maybe I'm mistaken, nice. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> uh, so far it was fine, I, I, never, I, w I have never been told like, uh, shut up, what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> maybe just because Cambodian people are very respectful in general. So let's see, maybe I'll have something in the future, <laughs> but I hope not. And to kind of, uh, to how do we uh, approach those biases? How do we uh, change? Is that we realize that with the female um, students' engagement in uh, this tech um, industry is important to work not only with them, but also with the society and their parents, uh, first of oh. all. And, and our main message to the parents is that, look, you can be proud of your uh, daughters. And uh, this is why, for example, Sisters of Code uh, educational program includes a lot of practical projects, like they create websites, they create games, and then we show to the parents, and parents are saying, wow, I never knew she could do that, you know? And, wow. and that kind of gives an impression for them that maybe there is a real benefit uh, for, for their daughters to study technology because they can actually uh, learn and be uh, skillful uh, in something that uh, parents might not even understand or might not even know. And uh, having like this uh, feeling of, be of, of proudness uh, 
is uh, is is very important. We also try to work with media and share our story. Uh, and I think uh, the, uh, this year the biggest win was that a Cambodian lifestyle magazine, which is very uh, famous here and normally writes about fashion, about culinary, uh, and about like uh, like uh, makeup. Every and they wrote article about Sisters of Code. So that is changing, you know. So it it is happening. So they kind of put on up you know on in the magazine an article about women who are uh, developing the skills in technology not in in cooking right so it was it was a, like a, a very nice i think achievement for our team to to bring to the society this idea uh, that uh, women really uh, are um, needed and can achieve uh, quite a lot yes that's amazing yeah <laughs> um I think Sisters of Code, you offer 18 weeks free coding program yeah. for students. I think that's amazing. Can you share more about the program yes, and you. what is the impact that your team is making right now? Sure. So uh, we started the program in 2019 uh, and uh, first it was a pilot and uh, we were uh, very lucky to have uh, funding from USAID. Uh, so we could uh, start this program for free. We think it's important to keep the program free of charge so parents don't have, you know, a, a challenge or a question to themselves should they invest into the education for, for the digital skills or not. We say, okay, it's free so everyone can join and, and we are trying to engage more students from a less privileged background because in Cambodian public schools, not many schools can offer computer science programs. So we kind of make it for, we try to make it inclusive. 18-week program is um, is built on three main modules. When students just uh, start, we just uh, talk to them what is computer science, what are the opportunities there. Uh, we also make a training on cybersecurity, which I think is very important, explaining how to to protect your data, why is it uh, uh, is is it an issue. And then they start with Code.org. It's a website that is based in US, very famous, like millions of students all around the world are using yeah. that. You can check it out. Uh, there are free games, online games. So you learn visual coding while playing games. So we start with very simple games and uh, visual coding. Then we move to Scratch, that is module number two. Scratch has more possibilities and more tools for, uh, for creative computing and uh, creative coding. So students then work on their own projects, they create their own games. And then in the end they show what kind of games they have created. And then finally, they move to the third module, which is HTML and CSS. And also they create their own website. We also use Wix uh, to because Wix is such an amazing and easy to use platform yeah. for oh, yeah. creating beautiful and easy websites. <laughs> uh, so they they use that as well, and and then they create their own website. So like three modules over eighteen weeks. It's an after-school program. So students meet only one time a week on Sunday or Saturday with their teacher. Uh, since COVID uh, time, we are teaching online, uh, which is a big challenge for us because of infrastructure in Cambodia is not always uh, the best. Also, we had to be very flexible with uh, students. Uh, not everyone have uh, computers in home. Uh, 
-hmm. So we had to find ways uh, how to support them. But anyway, so we have uh, like right now since like 2020, it's uh, online, but with uh, live uh, guidance from our teachers, as well as we have recorded video tutorials in Khmer language. So students can watch um, them even if you uh, and, and can download them and, and use them as, as, as lessons uh, to follow. And then this year, actually, um, we also started a new program called Sisters of Code Ambassador Program. It's mm -hmm. trainers training for mm -hmm. trainers. So mm -hmm. when we were thinking how to scale Sisters of Code, we understood that if we would provide uh, training uh, to, to trainers and then provide them budgets to run these clubs in other communities, we may reach more people. So that's, that is uh, the program we launched this year. And actually, uh, we have more ideas. We have, like, now this year also, we have online video talks with the experts. So we connect with women who work in the field of IT and oh, they share cool. their stories with the students, answer questions, uh, give them some suggestions and advice, like mentoring them. And we have, uh, we hope that after COVID, we would be able to resume in-class um, uh, courses. And also we want to do shadow day when uh, Sisters of Code uh, students can go to workplaces of women wow. working in tech and stay with them oh, for one cool. day so they can see how they work, what do they do. And maybe we can take them to Singapore to visit uh, <laughs> IT companies yes. as well yeah, yeah. Uh, to see how it works there. Yes, so so that is how we how we work. Well, but that, that's that's amazing. Like I can imagine it must be so. Even just to you know, even like the uh, one uh, having them on for like video calls uh, yeah. for some of these ladies who work in the industry, it must be such a inspiration to the, yes, to the kids. It is. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yes. It, it's very powerful when you can see who you can become, and then you can aspire right. to that. Yeah. Exactly. 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 Yes. What what would you like? How would you evaluate the success of the eighteen weeks program? Is it the number of people that go on to take computer science degree, mm. or is the number mm. of people that goes into the tech field? Mm. Well, we when we started the program, we were trying to target a high school students. So after mm. the program, then they would enroll into the universities, but. We have received so many applications from uh, students uh, of different age groups. So we decided that we will open up the opportunity for those who really want. And uh, the only thing that we would care about is the motivation to learn um, computer science and, and coding. So right now, Sisters of Code accepts students from 10 to 20 years old. So oh. it's a very broad uh, age uh, range, right? <laughs> Uh, but in Cambodia, there are not many places where students can learn um, coding. And also, like I mentioned, because we are very unique, since we offer only girls coding clubs, uh, there was a huge demand. Honestly, we could accept only one uh, out of four applications to join wow. the program wow. uh, because of our budgetary constraints. Uh, yes, so we could not accept everyone, but there is definitely a, a, a 
an interest and a demand. So we decided, okay, we will only uh, be looking at, at the, the motivated ones who want to commit to 18 weeks program because it's like, you know, on weekend and you have to commit uh, spending your Sundays studying uh, coding. And then our KPIs are the number of students who will complete the program and uh, would we are now looking targeting at 10 to 15 percent drop off rate because mm -hmm. de definitely we see that not everyone uh, uh, for different reasons is able to finish the program as to the where they will go to next we don't limit and it also like you know we see that um, the age group is really like diverse, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we we what we do track what do they decide to to do next? If they are high school students, or in some cases we have first year university students as well. So we 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 wanna we wanna see like uh, what's mm -hmm. the next step. But the most important for us is also understanding the change in the mentality. Mm -hmm. So when students in enroll to mm -hmm. Sisters of Court program, we do a survey. Uh, to understand uh, what barriers do they see, what 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 do exactly why they want to join this program, and then after the program completed, we again ask them. So, uh, how do you feel if those barriers were overcome? How do you feel if you feel more inspired about uh, technology? And we see that is like the change in the mindset is the most important for, for us. Yeah. So what we see that students after the program are saying, yes, I can see that boys and girls have equal opportunities to learn technology because before nice. the program, that is an yes. issue. Many girls are saying, no, boys are better. Then we, uh, we see that they can, they see more opportunities for technology application in whatever they want to learn. So for their example, some students are saying, okay, I want to study logistics, but I see now how like with coding skills, I have some ideas for like maybe startups or solutions mm -hmm. to develop. And this is actually the best because technology is not only about IT. Technology is about everything. Like, would you talk about medical industry or educational industry or logistics or whatever you take? With the, with the digital skills, you, you can just be more efficient. You can create more, more solutions. And that's, that's actually the goal for us, you know? So they would see that, that, that it's not, technology is not a privilege. Technology is an opportunity. Yes. Wow. Yeah. I like that sentence. Yeah. Technology is yeah. not a privilege. It's an opportunity. Amazing. <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and and I'm just curious, like as as sorry, yeah, let me uh yeah. So I'm just curious as you as you see uh you know, these uh different eighteen week batches graduate uh your course to move on and you can see the mindset change and you see them go off to do new and amazing things uh, in Cambodia. How how does that make you feel? Yeah, I, I, it feels great. I, I actually, I, I'm very inspired and motivated uh, by, to, and have, having this opportunity to witness, 
you know the the, the change uh, uh, that we are making and I'm very happy uh, that we have a, a very committed team of, uh, of, of Cambodian teachers female teachers who are working wow. with us and uh, and these are amazing women uh, with who are really uh, inspiring uh, and uh, and I see that students who join the program um, they 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 are different like you know they they have fun they they support each other mm -hmm. they create they want to try to explore they want to create things and uh, they are brave and um, because it's you know even brave to say I want to do that mm -hmm. uh, and we did also a survey and we found out that Actually, one of the pressures our students are facing is that not all of their friends would support them. Some, like peers in the class classrooms, would say, "Why do you do that?" Like they, and you know, you have to have like this inner confidence of of trying to go against maybe some in in the in the peer groups, and and I feel. That we are making a real change here in Cambodia, and I hope that that like uh, changing their life for better, for sure. Uh, that that's something that we want to do. Super cool, super cool. And and I guess in terms of uh, Sisters of Code itself, I guess that's a Sisters of Code is a non-profit, right? And previously, yes. uh, you are running the IT training center. That's a yes. for-profit business. Yes. Do you see any like key differences in running, you know, while they're both sort of maybe trying to achieve a similar outcome for a student in terms of getting them that uh, IT ready and mm. giving them all the technological capabilities. But mm. do you see any key differences in like the value that you are providing or different the different ways that you are having to add? Yeah, not the methodology that you're you know teaching these kids yeah. is there any like yeah difference in this uh, two two different kinds of businesses i think i have a benefit of having this kind of commercial and uh, background uh, because i understand that like um, uh, with our sisters of code program the key is to to create a quality service like the educational program is actually a, a service for the students and students who join Sisters of Code program are our customers. And it's not that uh, a non-profit program should, uh, you know, uh, maybe, I don't know, expect some uh, less, uh, less quality. No, it's not even a question for our team. Um, however, uh, I would say that in non-profit program, what is the key is the storytelling that is based on shared uh, values mm. of contribution and partnership rather than if you work for uh, for profit organization uh, there is definitely there are values of team but there is more kind of focus on competitiveness and 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 reaching uh, some financial goals for us reaching financial goals means raising funds to ensure access for more students to study the program but not to make like uh, shareholders uh, happy. 
uh, yes, so that's that's the kind of the, the the difference. But in general, in the way we operate, it's still the same. Like uh, principles of efficiency, focus on quality, understanding the customers, understanding the market, and uh, the market. I mean, understanding what are the stakeholders' attitude. How do we contribute to changing that? So it's kind of uh, similar, uh, but yes, uh, we don't make uh, money or we don't uh, we we don't sell our product. We are selling our story to possible donors who can share with us the same values uh, and who wants to support the same cause. Mm. Super cool! Super cool! Yeah, yeah. Uh, just now you mentioned about um, that. Technology in Cambodia is leapfrogging. I'm actually very curious about what's happening in Cambodia in terms of the startup space. Um, mm-hmm. Like, what's the startup space like right mm-hmm. now, and mm-hmm. what are some areas that you see are really ripe for disruption? Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh wow. Um, startup space. I would say over the recent, uh, maybe last three years, is uh, really like developing uh, quite fast with uh, new and international organizations coming in, with uh, funding, with training um, programs, and uh, establishing new opportunities uh, for the for the um, innovators in 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 Cambodia. I am also um, par- participating as a mentor in one of uh, startup programs called Encore 500, which is actually Silicon Valley-based and funded uh, program here in Cambodia. And it is uh, run in cooperation with the Ministry of Economy and Finance of Cambodia. Uh, so right now, I would say there are a lot of opportunities. Like we have, for example, like a, a very active player Impact Hub, uh, which is uh, kind of focused on uh, supporting social businesses and social enterprises. We have um, like one of telecom providers, Smart who is uh, giving funding and um, you know, creating uh, opportunities for, for startups to come. And in the recent uh, times, we see that the change is happening. Like I mentioned already, Grab uh, that uh, came uh, to Cambodia. Okay, it's not a startup, uh, like it's a very big organization in Southeast Asia, right? But it was a great uh, I think a great example uh, of how technological solution uh, can reach millions of people and uh, bring a real change in the way of in the lifestyle, basically. And so we mm. see more like uh, there have been some. I've seen some other Cambodian uh, uh, grabs <laughs> uh, nice. trying to to yeah. copy and paste uh, this model. Uh, I'm not sure how successful because you know. It's a quite a big organization with a big yeah. budget, so uh, yes, it was easier for them to dominate in the market. We also see, like you know, I mentioned because of COVID, uh, like uh, food delivery apps. Mm-hmm. Like there was a Food Panda came recently, but uh, they now have to compete with a quite successful local startup working in this food delivery service. We see solutions developing also in uh, educational space, in EdTech, uh, with uh, some mobile apps coming up. And the Ministry of Education actually launched a new app recently as well. Uh, so um, there are 
Oh, and fintech as well, definitely. There is one of the like uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the oldest fintech providers. Wink uh, now actually got even a banking license, so uh, it's kind of it's it's happening uh, quite fast. And before it was cash-based economy, now we see people are using mobile apps like QR codes for pay- payment, and uh, <clears throat> so it's uh, it's really developing. Uh, very fast and you would see like you know passing by a, a street food seller uh, if before only with cash now you can scan he would have a, a qr code you scan and transfer money <laughs> you know it was like before it was impossible and it's changed so fast uh, yes but in terms of opportunities i definitely see a lot of opportunities for startup interventions and new solutions development especially for example in healthcare or in uh, in in like you know managing uh, managing services like for example cambodia right now is doing vaccination but i wish we could have a possibility to subscribe for vaccination over a mobile app which is not available. It would be such a great opportunity, but it, it's not yet here. And uh, I wonder like why, but, uh, but there are like some things that, that could be definitely improved by using technology. Wow, it sounds like really exciting time right now to be in Cambodia. Yes, if you are a geek, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like some of the technology pickup adoption might be faster than in Singapore. I don't think we have a payment, like QR code based payment at all of our street cards <laughs> right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So come maybe after you know you have to come and see uh, what you can bring from Cambodia to Singapore. That <laughs> yeah, would be amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. It's one of the few Southeast Asian uh, countries uh, yeah. we haven't visited. I, at least I haven't visited yet. Uh, same. Mm. Um, do you, are you familiar with the education system in yeah. Cambodia since yes. you're in the education yes. space? How would you describe the education system mm. in Cambodia to be like? What are some gaps mm. there? Yes, it's honestly, it's quite a painful question. <laughs> uh, I would oh. say, uh, uh, like the data I saw based on 2019 was saying that, you know, 15% of female uh, inhabitants of Cambodia are illiterate and 10% oh. of, of male wow. are illiterate. So you see, there is even a, this problem of, uh, like of basic skills. Also, uh, the school system, uh, is 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 now still in the process of a reform. Uh, the ministry and the minister himself are doing a lot to change and to implement improvements. And unfortunately, COVID nineteen has mm, impacted significantly possibilities for children to study because of infrastructure uh, especially like uh, in rural areas it's not available plus uh, and and you know in cambodia it's a uh, 75% are living in rural areas so mm-hmm. on farms and 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 there is an issue that also the economical impact of covid made uh, families reconsider if their children should study or go to work 
And so many people, uh, many children, I'm not talking about very young children, but like, you know, teenagers mm -hmm. would uh, not uh, study, but help their families to make some money for living. And it's very sad story. So basically, you know, families have to decide uh, to to support education or like solve their like everyday issues of uh, of, of making money and and, and growing resources. Uh, and so I, I, the ministry have been trying to do a lot during COVID times, uh, like beha by, by having radio, TV programs, Facebook uh, broadcasting, and now they have a mobile app launched. But still, I would say that COVID actually has increased the gap uh, between different uh, social groups with access to education. And I'm, I'm quite concerned that this impact will be having a quite, like, you know, long-term uh, uh, consequences in the future. Mm -hmm. mm, and especially for female inclusion uh, uh, as well. So, but like, I don't know, like definitely it's not only a problem in Cambodia, many developing countries are facing the same issues. And uh, I really hope that that we will find a way how to unite and find solutions and support countries in the development and, and kind of taking over those uh, challenges uh, that uh, are faced uh, due to COVID-19 time. In Cambodia, educational system is also, uh, even before COVID, um, there have been um, challenges in this access to infrastructure as well. So computer science is not in the program. Uh, in public schools. They are trying to introduce that from the high school, but not enough of uh, computer labs, uh, especially in uh, rural areas. Mm -hmm. uh, not enough of trained uh, teachers who can deliver the computer science curriculum. Especially, like for example, if we talk about Sisters of Code program, which is coding based, it's quite unique. Like it's not, uh, uh, there are no no other places that are like in public schools. Yes, yeah, that could uh, offer the same level of quality and and skills that that we're offering. That's why we are actually are cooperating with the Ministry of Education, and we have provided all our curriculum. We are cooperating with them to bring Sisters of Code to public schools as well. So uh, there are challenges and uh, the ministry now also is looking at enforcing STEM subjects uh, in the curriculum. Uh, but again, I don't know, like it takes time, like it's like, you know, there are millions like uh, students and so hundreds of schools to be approached. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of, it's a, it's a quite tough, tough area. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and any educational intervention takes decades to really see the result. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Yes. yeah. And I think it's a bit of a cycle, right? Because of the economic opportunities or the job opportunities that's available, if they require you to have tech skills and capability, then like people would go for these kind of right. education. And But these job opportunities need the talent in the country. Yes. yes. So they really, it's a cycle. It is a cycle, absolutely, yes.
And that is not, you know, a, uh, uh, there is no one way how to solve mm. it. I think it's quite a complex, uh, uh, like, a program of intervention should be in place. Definitely, Singapore is one of the examples that Cambodia is looking at as a, as a, role, a role model. But uh, still, we have to acknowledge that the countries are very different. Uh, yeah. and, and, and so, uh, I, I think uh, Cambodia definitely needs uh, own strategy, uh, as well as commitment to deliver that strategy, bring it to life. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And they need more individuals like you <laughs> doing the groundwork. <laughs> yes, okay. I, I would be happy to see more, definitely, yes. And actually, yeah. I was just curious just to go back to uh, Sisters of Code for one minute. So in terms of you have all these uh, local teachers and instructors mm. who help to educate the young girls in Sisters of Code. Where, where did these instructors come from? Did, were mm. they like uh, women of industry mm. who were already in the tech sector and uh, mm. they came back to contribute back to the mm -hmm. next generation? Yes. Or, yeah. Yes, exactly. Actually, um, uh, one... Uh, Last year, we also created a non-formal group, Women in Tech. So those women who are professionals and working in tech industry in Cambodia, so we have a non-formal group to connect and support each other. And that is one of the sources where I take, uh, uh, like, find those like-minded uh, women who support sisters, of course. Uh, our teachers right now also, like, uh, they are also teachers. They, they work as teachers uh, wow. in schools but, and we train them and, uh, and uh, gave them materials like a methodology, how to teach sisters of code curriculum. Uh, so they, they also like uh, working on Sundays as uh, sisters of code trainers and weekdays as teachers in the schools. <laughs> wow, hard work. Yeah. Yes, hard work. Yes, absolutely. And I appreciate that so much. I, I really appreciate that, that uh, they spend uh, their free time. Uh, Why do you think they, they volunteer their time so readily on weekends and dedicate so much energy to, to, for the mission that your team is working I, on? I think, like I mentioned, uh, these uh, shared values. You know that we have we have this commitment uh, to to support and we for from from I think for my Cambodian team there is definitely like you know this personal experience of overcoming the barriers and many of them are saying that by contributing to Sisters of Code they want to make sure that other girls don't have to face those challenges that they had to overcome in their past and make their life easier because they have this personal like you know personal experience which was not always pleasant and mm. uh, and and that is this is what I, um, one of the their motivation and also like for i i think this kind of the volunteering um, the idea of volunteering in cambodia is quite popular actually i've met oh. so many people who want to contribute who want to help and want to support maybe that is actually an asian thing you know in the <laughs> western world like people are more like uh, you know what is there for me more kind of focused on individual benefits in asia i found that people are more uh, supportive to community are more willing to to have to see their their contribution 
for others as well and I definitely noticed that so uh, I feel uh, a lot of support from 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 our these women in tech community and and from those volunteers who are joining us and also like it is quite a rewarding experience when you see a real impact when you see how how happy are the kids and 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 you see that parents are like are pleasantly surprised and, and so <laughs> So it kind of it it, it works uh, fine, yeah. So ch- changing hearts and minds. That's yes, way. right. Yes. Yeah, and and uh, yeah, I guess as you're someone who's uh, on the ground, you know, working to educate people with regard to the technology education, you've also lived in, uh, you know, I I, I classify in the Western world as well. Uh, yeah. In your, in your six years back, uh, maybe would be curious to understand from your point of view, you know, where where is this STEM slash tech education going, right? Like, where where do you see the future of it? You know, how is it evolving? Yeah. Mm. Well, definitely, uh, uh, it's evolving to first of all earlier ages. Like uh, m- m- there are more programs and more methodologies to teach uh, children uh, mm-hmm. uh, the basics of algorithm thinking even before coding, like yep. uh, traditional coding, you know. So uh, there are games and activities, uh, even like, you know, for five uh, years old uh, wow. kids. Were, and, and that is something that is happening um, in the Western world, <laughs> but I'm sure in Singapore you can find the, yeah. those those uh, schools like coding schools, preschool. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah definitely. <laughs> yes, uh, so that is something, uh, and I think uh, that's great actually. The other thing that is happening is a shift actually to no coding solutions mm. or low coding solutions. Uh, why is that ca- happening? Because technology is really developing fast, but there is a skill gap. Also in Singapore, by the way, uh, I was reading some data that, that it's not enough of um, uh, uh, programming yeah. specialists yeah. And, uh, and companies are actually suffering from not having enough of uh, human resources yeah. uh, to fill in the gap. So right now, what I have noticed, uh, maybe over like recent few years, that there are low coding solutions where you basically can develop uh, like mobile apps by drag and drop yeah, or, yeah. or like already like, you know, so you don't have to have like, you know, be experienced in uh, PHP or C sharp, <laughs> right? Wow. And spend like years in studying uh, C++. But uh, you already, if you have uh, this kind of understanding of how uh, how programming works, uh, you can have those those local uh, solutions helping you to achieve a result quite fast. Also, one more thing that I I see that, and this is something that we try to promote with Sisters of Code too, that uh, skills technological skills are not limited only to IT sector. It's everywhere. So that is something that uh, another trend uh, that definitely uh, is, is growing. This is why access to, to computer science and creative computing um, curriculum is essential at skill level. So whatever kids will decide to learn in the future, having basic understanding will help them to be more flexible, more competitive, and have more opportunities to apply technology for 
uh, solving solutions in the area they are passionate about. Yes. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Makes a lot of sense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And and I guess as someone who's a parent as well, maybe just this is a slightly different question, but yeah, as someone who's a parent, but someone who's also very involved in technology education, uh, would love to get your thoughts on like uh, you know, uh, children and devices, right? What's your thoughts mm. around that? Like mm. to me, I I'm torn between, like these devices will be the future of the world, and I want the mm. kids to to be as proficient at it as yeah. possible. Like, you know, even TikTok and, you know, all yeah. the Snapchats and all this, like, it's a skill to learn for the future, right? Yeah. It's not just fun. So, how yeah, how do you think about that? <laughs> What's the balance there? <laughs> yes, it's a, it's a tough question. I know that, uh, like, there are so many debates and uh, some parents say we have to limit and give only, like, uh, only a few hours or maybe mm-hmm. even um, have a free device-free time for children, which I actually do agree that there should be a balance, like, for children development uh, and, and how our uh, brain evolve. Uh, it's, like, uh, devices have been with us uh, maybe for, the past uh, how many 50 years or or even less right so uh, we have to have enough of time for physical activities for activities uh, with our hands and um, and that that is really important for for the like for human body for human brain development but at the same time i think that um, like we cannot exclude uh, technology uh, from from our children's daily life like i i don't know i i think there is no correct answer so yeah. it's better like each parent should make their own decision and i don't think we would even have like who are we to judge and tell this is right this is wrong right everyone depending on what do they want and how do they see themselves and what is their lifestyle mm-hmm. make their own decisions what i'm actually against is when parents try like use devices to substitute their presence so yeah. they would give them you know or take the ipad and watch your cartoon leave me alone that that's that's wrong you know that's what i don't support uh, but for example when my daughter was growing uh, um, she was filming youtube videos when she was 12 wow. Wow. and then i remember yeah right and then a teacher at school would meet uh, me and say do you know that your daughter is filming uh, youtube videos yes i know so (laughs) what's wrong but she was telling me that in a way that it's a like a big mistake and i don't think so because i told her but yes but look she is learning how to write a story she is learning how to edit videos Uh, she is learning about how to plan her, her work and I don't think it's bad so she kind of gave up quite fast good <laughs> for it it was too difficult to manage and so but it's okay at least she tried yeah, right yeah, and definitely. she 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 could have this opportunity to discover that you know when a YouTube video for five minutes actually requires like few hours of preparation right so so yeah. that kind of thing that I kind of felt good about and uh, and that's why in our like in our school we are saying like it's you play games that you created so you know you play computer game if you created that 
and they and that is actually driving students uh, to learn more because they think okay so like I, I played that game before I like it so how do I create a similar game but with my own characters with my own story like music and that makes them like be be creative and, and analyze things so it's kind of good but I don't think there is only one correct answer for everyone. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the best answer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear you talk about games and learning. I get very excited because that's mm. my day job. So mm. uh, my company, we are building or we are developing video games for children to mm. learn as mm -hmm. they play. So I really believe in the power of games because yes. it really engages you yes. as a learner. Yeah. Yes, yes totally. Yeah, absolutely. Use it more. Yeah. <laughs> We usually end our podcast uh, with this last question, but I'll break it up into two parts. I guess today you're running Sisters of uh, of Code as a non-profit. Uh, what, what would be your biggest uh, lessons that you have learned, you know, getting this off the ground, right? Like running a non-profit is something, uh, at least from my perspective, does not seem easy, requires a certain mm. kind of mentality and motivation to mm. keep going every day. Mm. Yeah. Maybe your thoughts on that? Yes, definitely. Like finding, uh, but you see, I'm really passionate about that, and that mm -hmm. is like uh, what keeps uh, me doing, and I really want to contribute and, and and support and help, and that that's kind of finding your passion is important. Uh, another thing is that start small. Like we have launched uh, the pilot project uh, to see and learn how it works. What can we improve? And that kind of showed us that we are on the right way and uh, we are not rushing in scaling it up because like quality, uh, especially in education, yes, uh, quality is important. And so we want to make sure that we have enough of resources, both human resources and financial resources to deliver that, that quality. And then final thing about this non-profit is sharing uh, the story with the world is important because what I believe that maybe some of your listeners would uh, hear our story and would think, okay, maybe I can find, uh, maybe I have time to start something like that in my community. And that is great. Like they can check our website, Sisters of Code, and they can see what is our like approach and methodology and they can contact us. We would love to share and support others as well and so like sharing this story and inspiring others is also very key in in a non-profit i think yeah 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 and and just to wrap it up we end all our podcasts with this question but who is someone who inspires you right mm. yeah. <laughs> yes it's a great question uh, but <clears throat> I think, uh, you know, for me, the, the inspiration are my teachers uh, who are working uh, with Sisters of Code. Mm -hmm. I was thinking, like, should I, like, because I saw your question beforehand, ah. and I was thinking, like, should I mention, uh, like, uh, someone, you know, like, uh, big personalities, like, famous, and so on. But I thought it would not be enough. Uh, these people are, like, uh, it's interesting to read their biographies, mm -hmm. to follow mm -hmm. Elon Musk on Twitter, uh, but, uh, but 
but you know, um, for me, real inspiration that drives the, uh, my work are other teachers uh, whom I work with. Uh, I see um, that they find, they contribute their time, um, they are really passionate about uh, supporting uh, students, they are, they're having like a pure intentions in making the world a better place. And that inspires, what really inspires, especially in the area of my work, like of this non-profit educational uh, uh, program, where this kind of motivation is the key, you know? Uh, so mm -hmm. that, that's something I would say that Mitona, Vapi are my inspirations. Uh, Kim Srung, like these are amazing uh, women I met while working with uh, Sisters of Code. Amazing, amazing. And that's a yeah. great place to end the podcast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you like what you heard, please help us subscribe, rate and review. Let us know what you think and tell us who else you want on the pod. You can go to ricepeoplepodcast.com where you can find every episode of this podcast complete with transcripts and show notes. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>